2: minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on packers fans welcome into another episode of the pack a day podcast your daily 365 day a year packers news podcast giving all the latest news notes updates highlights rumors conspiracies and hot takes um, that we see around the Twitter sphere around the blogosphere and around um, national and local headline news gets you up to date with the latest, everything going on at 1265 Lombardi. I am Matt Fralick. alongside me as always is Janelle Mackey. Eli Berkovitz is not able to join us today. He is enjoying a birthday celebration with some libations with his brother uh, and family, I imagine. So um, kudos to them. Congrats to them. But Janelle, as we know, Similar to Lambeau Field, it rarely shuts down. I think it only shuts down two or three days out of the year. Uh, The Pack-A-Day podcast never shuts down, like I said, 365 days. So we got some news and notes to get to. Um, First one being Janelle. It, truly, just to set up the episode, everything news related today is about the coaching staff. Um, the first one being that the Senior Bowl over this last couple, I would say the last week, they've announced some of the uh, the coaches to be a part of that. I believe Luke Getze actually is the you know uh, the Bears, one of the Bears coaches. He is uh, part of the coaching staff for one of the sides. I'm not sure which side of the Reese's Bowl. It used to be the East-West Shrine Game. Now it's this. It's it's changed it, I think it changes <laughs> now every other year what it's called. Um, regardless, we, uh you know, none of the Packers are coaches are like head coaches by any means of those sides, but they're getting some exposure, some of the younger guys. So two offensive line coaches, uh, one being Brian Mahaffey, he is going to be the American team offensive line coach, and he's going to bring along his assistant, who's actually like one of the lower guys, if you had to rank him on the totem pole within the uh, defensive coaching room, he is... Um, uh, Quentin Odom. He's a coaching assistant. He's going to be assisting. I would assume probably his right hand or maybe his superior in Ryan Mahaffey. Um, so kudos to them. It's awesome. I think it's really cool that these guys get to do that. And we talked about this before the show. I think it's always awesome because it seems like over the years, and maybe there's no science behind this, no statistics, but whether it's a Packers coaching staff or a Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff. Whoever it is, they in whatever specialty they're in, they usually get a little bit better insight to the players. It's like a an elaborated combine, if you will. You're able to like see these guys week in and week out, and I think there's always some really good narratives that come from it. I remember Quinn Mer- Muritz; um, he was the guy from UW Whitewater, I believe, who ended up getting drafted by the Broncos. I think we saw a couple last year about Zach Tom or Sean Ryan, one of the two. Just like there's certain players that kind of fly under the radar that these coaches specific to whatever, you know, defense or offense side of the ball, they're able to kind of get their hands on um, and kind of, you know, see what a tick, you know, makes a player tick. because You're actually around a practice with them and you can kind of see what their skill set is. Um, do you know, I would imagine, I mean, I, I think we talked about this like last week or two weeks ago and probably multiple times. I think that's just like kind of almost puts it in in you know black ink that the Packers more than likely would draft an offensive lineman it seems like they always do that but it just seems like an easier reason to even get better value like later on in the draft do you think this like influences that at all like I mean just kind of your take on I mean it's it's cool that they're being a part of the offensive line group because they're always doing it they're always getting some value there um do you think the Packers maybe prioritize it with a late round pick just because they're having more access to these guys um I think next week whenever the practices start
3: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility, and we've seen, I mean, for years and years now, how valuable having depth at the offensive line is for the Packers, especially after a year like this where there was just like a carousel of, you know, guys playing, guys not playing, and it was like almost like we had a different line every time we stepped out on that field. So, I mean, I think it'll be good for the coaches. You know, it's a really cool opportunity for the coaches, but also, like you said, to get a little bit more hands-on with the guys who are going to be entering that draft and kind of get to see them in a different light. You know, you can kind of study game film and you can take combine results, but this is a very different type of way of being able to interact with those guys. And also, you know, not even just see, um, what they can produce on the field, but kind of just like the types of players that they are, are they coachable? Like how are their personalities? Do they work well with others? You d- you kind of get to see, you know, off the field behavior when you are coaching with these guys. So I think there's a lot of that kind of good insight, that you can't just get from, you know, watching films. So I think that's going to be super cool. And obviously not, not even just with the offensive line, because that's who they'll primarily be working with, but that doesn't mean they won't be interacting with other players as well, or, you know, communicating with their fellow coaching staff about other players. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's an overall really good opportunity for these coaches, but it also gives the Packers a little bit of extra intel on some of the guys that'll be participating in that senior bowl early in February. 100%
2: and I think there was a conversation that happened last year I don't remember the player I don't even think he was selected by the Packers and if he was it doesn't really matter but they were talking about some of the the coaching staff asking a player if they're more willing to play certain positions and like a guy like yeah I've been practicing this or practicing that and like instead of taking it for face value oh this guy you know started 42 games at right tackle and you know for Northwestern oh but you didn't know like maybe he was you know the the backup center or like a backup long snapper, just something super obscure you wouldn't think of unless you like actually were scouting this player, you know, week in and week out. Um, and if it's some from a smaller school, you're actually able to get a guys down there and like be in contact with them more and right. just going through it, like going through the last couple of drafts, I thought it was a little bit more of a consensus over the last maybe decade that they've drafted. I want to say it looks like about like seven out of 10, they've drafted an offensive lineman. The last couple have been super heavy last year. They drafted um, three offensive linemen in you know, in their picks, by seeing uh, Rashid Walker, Zach Tom, and Sean Ryan, they obviously then brought in a couple guys throughout the the off season, like they normally do. And then the year previous to that, they had drafted uh, two offensive linemen, being Cole Van Lannan, or three, excuse me, Cole Van Lannan, Royce Newman. Josh Myers so that's three in back-to-back years I thought that was like the consensus normally two or three it seems like it's been more of an influx since Goody's been there which makes sense we've seen that he's prioritized offensive linemen more it's almost in the past and then especially that versatility so I would hope that this would give them an inside track to either you know a late round pick maybe a first round second round selection if that's what they prioritize or even just some uh udfas which is always you know you're getting more access to these guys than you normally would that maybe then even get invited to a combine so um cool for them awesome for them to get more exposure and ultimately for them to just like you know kind of cut their teeth in the ranks of the packers coaching staff but also like get them some notoriety let them network across the league with all their 31 coaching staffs and maybe at some point be promoted speaking of promotions you know We've had some obviously coaching firings throughout this off season, um, you know, within the NFC North specifically, we saw Ed Donatel being fired by the Vikings. Uh, he's a defense coordinator. Who was there for a long time. I, from what, from the sounds that I heard or from what I had heard, there was a lot of people that wanted him gone last year when Mike Zimmer left, he stayed on with the Kevin O'Connell and, um, you know, regime and ultimately Ed Donatel loses his job there. Packers have yet to fire any coaches. However, some other coaches are getting looks throughout the league. And this came out um, yesterday um on Friday. We had two coaches being interviewed. We'll start off first with the dude that came in. And I think a lot of people are like, $5 million a year, special teams coordinator. For the first half of the season, it was bad. Very, very bad. Most mm-hmm. of that probably fell on Amari Rodgers. Some of that fell on tackling. And I think there was most definitely wherever the playing was played, I think they definitely gave Rich Basach an opportunity to go and like get his guys, right? Like he was able to go and I'm assuming select some guys in these drafts, like, especially in the draft class, you looked at like who they selected. Like I feel like Tariq Carpenter was definitely a special teams pick. They had Samari Toure, I thought was going to be a punt returner slash kick returner that never really came to fruition, but you went out and got like Darren Levitt. They got Keyshawn Nixon. Who he had some ties to, so they definitely were like, Hey, Rich, we know what this team needs. You have a good insight. You're a damn good football coach. Let's see what you can do. And he probably had other head coaching opportunities last year, and that's what he was brought in for. Um, today was an interview with the Indianapolis Colts who were looking to replace their boy Jeff Saturday. I, I have to imagine this for Rich Basaccia and more specifically for the Colts, Colts need to really make sure they get a home run here, right? Like they're, right. they've gone through turmoil ever, honestly since Andrew Luck kind of retired late in that off season, like early August. And they've kind of just been in shambles since then. I know Frank Wright had, you know, had a good stint there for a little bit, but it's like, it didn't really ever turn and he got let go early in the year. So like, they're trying to find a spot. This one to me is like, I'm not sure how to feel about it because you and I are trying to dive and figure out, how long is Rich Passaccia signed to his contract? We know the price tag for what it was this year, but we cannot, for the life of us, find how many years he has signed for. We imagine it's more than one year. If it wasn't one year, it would just be very, very strange because it would be more of a conversation. But ultimately, Rich Passaccia goes in for a conversation with uh, Jim Ursay and the Indianapolis Colts. Like I said, I'm sure he is up with a bunch of other coaches for being the head coach. However, I think he's got the inside track just because he was the interim coach with the Raiders. Did a great job there. He has a lot Mm -hmm. of respect. It seems like he's a pretty genuine dude. Um, So overall, Janelle, first of all, your thoughts on Rich Passaccia being the special teams coordinator for one year for the Packers, ultimately possibly stepping away to take a head coaching role? And then your concern level, like zero to ten. Like zero, you're gonna sleep fine tonight. You don't really care. Special teams has sucked anyways. Or ten, you're gonna be up at night writing handwritten notes like Ritz Pisacci did to his former Raiders to try to get him to stay in Green Bay. Like so, first and foremost, your thoughts on him only being there potentially one year, and then your you know your angst factor zero to ten.
3: Yeah, I mean, considering how bad special teams had been prior to him coming here, and even at the beginning of the season, like it felt like there was still. lot of issues and you know obviously we talk about the the amari rogers things, but it's also kind of like is that a decision he was making um like who was kind of in charge of keeping amari back there because it got to a point where i was kind of like you know what like you're kind of almost setting him up for failure when you know that he's not doing well in that position and i thought that you know amari rogers used as a wide receiver he was showing more potential but um i felt like maybe there was some coaching that needed to be blamed in keeping him back there, but which coaching um, I'm not quite sure. So that was kind of questionable to me, but I mean, um, Tom Silverstein actually quoted Rick Goslin, who put out his um, uh, 2022 special teams rankings and Silverstein was talking about how the Packers improved from 30 seconds. So we were dead last last year, which, you know, mm-hmm. makes sense. It was just brutal all around. And then we jumped up to 22nd so jumped up 10 spots um under rick Oslin's special teams rankings and um it's the highest ranking for them since 2017 when they ranked 16th under ron zook it's also the highest for green bay's first year special teams core since uh zook finished 17th and 15 so it's been a really rocky road at special teams there hasn't been much much success since you know mid 2010s um so i think getting him in here and seeing that team you know obviously the second half they really started to show a lot more potential um and it's just kind of like all the different factors with it but really just those returns are huge and not even just um returns but also defending returns and stuff like that so whatever he was doing was working um so i think that you know and special teams really became a huge part of this team, especially when the offense is struggling, the defense is struggling special teams is kind of like that light, which is strange, you know, when they were dead last, last year in rankings that they are able to kind of bounce back and be, you know, something that was giving this team a spark when needed, especially when you find someone like Keyshawn Nixon to run around your special teams. So um, yeah, I mean, I, it's like the concern level is kind of high just because I feel like this special teams is going in the right direction. Um, I probably put myself at like a seven out of 10 concern just because I think that, you know, hopefully if some, if, if he were to either leave for the Colts, if he's offered the position or if he leaves some for some somewhere else, um, I hope that what he's instilled stays with these guys and they're able to kind of continue that, um, you know, even if he was only here for a year, but I mean, he just kind of seems like he, he set the right standard and I was kind of looking forward to, you know, continuously having a successful special teams and now it's kind of like well who you who would you come who would you have come in and fill those shoes after a year like this where obviously he jumped up in rankings and everybody was you know much more successful in that area so I think it's just it's yeah it's cause for concern and I think that's kind of the consensus from what I'm seeing on reactions on Twitter is a lot of people not not looking forward to him potentially leaving and I get it, you know, going from a special teams coordinator to potentially being a head coach. Like you said, he had that interim experience. So it's like you can't knock a guy for getting a better opportunity. But as fans of this team, seeing what he's done, it would be really detrimental to watch him leave.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I would say at seven, seven or eight is right around where I'm at. A um, couple things, too, like you mentioned going from 32nd to 22. That's great. That's great improvement. You know, not hard to improve off of being dead last in something like any progress is great progress. Um, I think throughout the year, we definitely saw the team improve, especially like you mentioned from the return um, aspect and it gave the the team juice, but ultimately there was like throughout beginning that part of the year, you would have thought like tackling and coverage would have got better. It didn't. Um, You know, some of the things were out of his control, I think too, just like the way kickoffs have been, you know, not, Mason not be able to get it to the end zone. Some missed kicks with him with his leg, you know, not being as strong as we'd like to see it. So that's a concern. One thing to me too is like, and I'm sure this has been talked about before and I know it has this one to bring it up is like Rich Versace has been a coach since 1983 when he started with Wayne state, the powerhouse uh, of Wayne state, (laughs) but has never been a head coach. And someone to me is like someone that has that much experience through the college ranks down in the sec in the NFL between five, six, seven different, really good organizations. You would think at some point he would have wanted to pursue a head coaching job. So it's like, I'm not sure why he hasn't been a head coach. He's been a special teams coordinator for a long time, like 20 years. So it seems like maybe that's just where his niche longer than 20 years, like 30 years, actually, like maybe that's where his niche is. And he prefers that. But at some point you would think like for himself, like, Hey, I got to throw my hat in the ring. If anyone that's right. been a part of, you know, a young coaching staff or, a, you know, some of these innovative guys like the McVeighs or the Shanahan's or whomever, like if they've been a part of that coaching tree, they're getting almost head coaching looks instantaneously where I've been grinding this up for years and years and years. So like part of me is like, I'm sure he's getting the looks and maybe it's not the opportunities he wants. Maybe that's why he came to the Packers. Like I want to come to an organization that I can – Really, you know, have some stability with it's not the you know, it's not the Raiders, it's not the Chargers he was with pre like a couple years ago before even he was with the Cowboys in between. So it's like maybe he wanted to see what it looks like from a well run organization. Um, I'm not sure, but ultimately, I think at some point, like he would want to be a head coach. I'm not sure how to feel about him leaving after his first year. I don't know what they would do internally. You look at the other coaches on staff with him, um. Byron Storer is a young coach that actually came over from him from the Raiders. He was there uh, three or four years with Versace. It was actually previously, I believe, there with him when he was in Tampa Bay and San Diego. So they have a really, really good um, connection there. Michael Spurlock, who is a name that either that's a famous actor at some point or like I remember this player at some. I I don't remember if I remember him, but like he's in the coaching staff. He's only been there since last year. Like, I, I don't know how they would higher internally at that point I think it seems like
3: yeah I'd probably go outside higher again. Have
2: outside and it's like you're gonna start over again and like you mentioned like do some of those new good habits carry over from with Basaccia leaves I'm not sure I think the best thing that if I were a Packers fan listening to this and for myself I'm gonna take my own advice is like let's just see how many more interviews Basaccia takes that's the if thing is, has-
3: we're only we're only on like the surface of what could potentially happen this off season with guys interviewing and also hopefully, you know, doing our own interviews. But I mean, if he, if he's already this early in candidacy for open vacancies, like there's a lot of other teams who have open positions right now. So who knows how many people he could possibly interview for what different positions he could interview for, if he'll go, if he'll stay, you know, there's just, it's kind of just at that point right now in the off season and, you know, football's still going. So there's still teams that are still focused that who knows what they'll be doing after this. So, yeah, I mean, we're just scratching the surface of all the, all
2: the moves we could be seeing. hundred percent. And I don't know if I should be more concerned if he takes more interviews or that
3: he wants to leave if he takes yeah. more, or is this just kind of a, you know, it's the Colts. They called me, whatever put my hat in the ring because I mean if Jeff Saturday can do it like why can't I do it
2: <laughs> but they've all the Colts I think have all, all, also interviewed and like reached out to a ton of coaches they've been turned down by a few already so it's like they've been in this mix yeah. you know they fi- hired their coach or they fired obviously Frank Wright earlier in the year so they've been they've, doing they've this.
3: probably had their running list for a while so that's probably exactly. why their name is popping again I mean everybody knows that Jeff Saturday wasn't going to be the coach so it's like they've had a long time to look at, look at guys throughout the season and see things that, you know, maybe other people haven't been paying as much attention to.
2: 100%. So, ultimately, Birch Basachi does get an interview with the Indianapolis Colts on Friday. We will see what comes from that maybe throughout the weekend or by, by, time, by the next time we talk to you guys. Maybe he'll have more. Maybe he'll, that'll be the only one. That'll be something we'll monitor as we get to the offseason. Another, you know, disappointing interview with another big name for the Packers coaching staff, guy jerry gray now jerry gray i've been a huge fan of since he came over in 2020 um you know he had really really worked for some great defensive players in his career in that defensive backfield we had talked you know as we were prepping for the show it was just like <coughs> jo- joe Barry was um you know brought in and people had thought maybe jerry gray would get a promotion after that one year when they got rid of mike pettin that didn't happen which i think is fair like you probably want a guy you have some instability with that defensive you know uh, that defensive locker room. Let's get right. a guy that's been a D coordinator before. We'll let Jerry or er, Jerry Gray learn from a Joe Barry and some other guys around him. You know, it's your first year. We don't want to, you know, promote you instantaneously, just like Ritz Passaccia isn't going to be coming, you know, a head coach for the Packers. If you know yeah. what, after one year being a special teams coordinator, but it is some concern because I do think there's probably something, the, the thing I'm trying to look at the tea leaves here first, let me get to who he actually interviewed with. That would be important. Uh, Jerry Gray interviewed with the Chicago bears to be a part of Matt Eberflus's, um coaching staff. Which Unsure... is that that
3: it didn't say.
2: Yeah, it didn't say yeah. what position. Now, I did a little dive beforehand, and it looks like the Bears just did hire a defensive coordinator last year, Allen Williams. He's been around the league for 21 years. So you don't think they're going to move on from a defensive coordinator that quickly, especially like they were pretty pretty injured last year. They got rid of uh, Robert Quinn. They traded Raquan Smith. Their defensive backfield actually played pretty well with some of the young guys they had, so you would, you would imagine um, he would be on the staff a little bit longer. So he's Allen Williams is still there. My guess, and like you said, like they didn't say specifically who he interviewed for. I would guess it'd be a secondary coach. Like that would be my guess. Because um, I don't well, know that's what the other thing position was. just kind would of be.
3: like looking at his career history with his coaching. It's almost always defensive backs coach. Like that's oh, yeah. kind of just been his history since SMU in like 1995 it's just always you know he was defensive quality control coach for the oilers in 97 so it's like but other than that it's just he was the dc with the titans but then went back to being a db coach for the vikings and then now with the packers and now he's kind of you know he's defensive backs and also passing game coordinator so there is a little difference but his main focus really is with those defensive backs so it's kind of interesting you know that they're really not saying exactly what he was brought in for but you would you would think it'd be something under that realm because that kind of seems to be his bread and butter and where he's comfortable unless you know he's maybe trying to look for something else but kind of like you were saying with Basashiya it's like here's another coach who has a, like a lot of experience, long-term mm-hmm. experience in especially like one very specific realm of the game. So, I mean, he's been doing, he's been doing this for a long time. He knows what he's doing. Um, So it's kind of interesting to see. And, you know, he was with the Vikings before us and now he's interviewing mm-hmm. with the bears. It's like making his way around the NFC North. Hopefully uh, he doesn't leave for the bears if they're, if they offer him whatever position it is that he was in for. But yeah, I mean, It's just kind of interesting to see how consistent he's been with his position as long as he's been a coach
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> to mention, you said the defensive back coach, right? For That would make the most sense. James Rowe is there. He was brought over from the uh, Iberflus defensive backfield um, with the Colts when Iberflus was the D.C. there, so it's like he's brought him over. It seems like maybe that was just like, you know, that's, that tends to be the case. You kind of bring your guys, insulate yourself with some people that you know. It makes it a little mm-hmm. bit easier transition to, instead of getting to know, you know five or six other guys. You get to maybe you know one or two. Um, we'll see how it shakes out, but it's a little concerning for me because I feel like, you know, I like Jerry Gray. I think at some point I think it makes the most sense, you know, just on paper looking not outside the organization that if Joe Barry's tenure does end this year with the Packers and, you know, it seems like from what we heard from Matt LaFleur two weeks ago and that, you know, those exiting press conferences that he doesn't want to make any changes with the coaching staff. So it's like, it seems right. like Joe Barry would be on for another year. After that point, it's like, if that doesn't work out, you would think everyone around the organization, you know, that watches the team like we do, like you would want Jerry Gray to take over, but if that's not his forte, he's more a DB coach. So be it. Um, However, he did actually also interview for the Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator job after Dean P's long-term old head in the league um retired this past year. You know, it's just, it's one of those things to me at this point, it's like, it's great. And I talked about this. T- I, I was trying to rack my brain on it and I was st- Bouncing the idea off the wall, I think it was like two weeks ago, maybe list last week on Final Dump on Mondays when we talked. Brendan and I just about you know it's it's awesome. It's great to see some of these coaches go on and succeed, like the Luke Getzies of the world, Nathaniel Hackett, uh-huh. whoever they are. But at the same point, like the Packers almost needed to be cultivating their own crop, their own minor league system of coaches. And it's not like Matt LaFleur hasn't been here long enough to do that. Like he's a young guy. He's been here for what? It'll be his fourth year coming up third or, or fourth or fifth year. It's like, you would think at that point you would have been able to establish some guys that you can keep in house or poach from somewhere else. So it's like, I feel like it, it, when you start promoting all these guys from within and all of a sudden Stenovich is the you know offensive coordinator, you bring him back Tom Clements, just because like he's got some continuity with Rogers it seems like an easy fit. Um, obviously, Luke Getze leaves. Luke Butkus comes. In. It's just like these like internal promotions, which are great. But at, at some point, you have to like, I, I don't know if we're hearing any of these other guys that are like making huge impacts within the team, especially when you bring like Tom Clements back, who like maybe mm-hmm. someone could have been promoted to the, the quarterbacks coach. Maybe they could have got a young guy um, from somewhere else. So it's like that is the main concern to me. Um, And I'll say like, I would say I'm a little bit more concerned, probably with Jerry Gray leaving, just because I think this is kind of a a flux year for this defensive backfield. We don't have Amos under contract. We don't have Rudy Ford under contract. Darnell Savage is on his last year, had an up and down year, finished strong. But it's like, you would think if any instability happens there, it's kind of a little bit concerning because it's like, you don't have as much stability as had there before. So like, if I were to rate it, you know, I think it's a little bit more concerning than Bisacci because at this point, you know, 22 isn't all that damn well for paying the highest paid specialist coach in the league. If Bisachi's is going to go on to get a, a, a head coaching job, he's probably well-deserved because he almost should have been the Raiders one last year, probably could have gotten one in 2022. I would say, like, an, it's probably an eight or a nine for me, honestly, because, I like, it's probably really? some of that is <laughs> emotional just because I like Jerry Gray a lot. yeah. And I think, like, this is one of the strongest pieces of this defense right now. Like, they don't really have any other – aspects and however spin zone maybe they're getting rid of some of these players they'll go bring in a defensive back coach that'll say hey I want to get this player I can I see you know shots here with this guy we can get this offseason I think the free agency has a really really deep class for safeties um, CJ Gardner Johnson's one that I really really like Jesse Bates Packers aren't going to pay him because he's making a crap ton of money for the Bengals or will need a, a lot of money but if you go look at that free agency class for the the safeties it's there but I don't know, I'm just a little bit more concerned. It sounds like from your reaction, you're not as concerned, which makes me feel a little bit better. But what are your (laughs) thoughts on Jerry Gray possibly leaving and spreading his wings elsewhere?
3: Yeah, I mean, and I do want to correct myself. He also was the Bills defensive coordinator from 2001 to 2005. So he's kind of, you know, he has jumped from D.C. to D.B. coach to D.C. So he's kind of gone back and forth. So he does have a pretty good amount of experience. So you said it was the Falcons he interviewed with, right? So, I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be totally new for him, but yeah, I mean, I think some of the reasons you just mentioned where it's like, what is the, it kind of depends on what the turnover with the players is going to be with your coach, because obviously being there, you know, he's been there three seasons now um, since 2021. So it's kind of like, where's, where are the relationships at with those players? Um, Have we seen a significant jump in um, the way they're performing in, like, since he's gotten here, and I feel like again, it's just one of those kind of like special teams, like we were just talking about, where it's like the defense has been such a focal point. Where, um, you know, they're finally now getting to where we want them to be, and it, it did kind of seem like there was a down year, but it was it felt like just a down year all around with this team. So you can't really just pinpoint it on one thing, but yeah, I mean, Jerry Gray, like the experience he has, and like you said, like he's just. He's a likable guy and he knows what he's doing with this team where um, I'd be happy for him if he was able to get a promotion somewhere. And that's the thing is like, I'm okay with losing good coaches if they're moving up, but I would be much more hurt if like he were to go become a D-backs coach somewhere else. So yeah. if he becomes a defensive coordinator, it's, it's easier to stomach losing a guy like that when he, you see him moving up and kind of earning his rights Um all the hard work being recognized and stuff like that. But I mean, yeah, if there's if there's a lot of turnover though with with the players in that locker room who they'll be bringing in a lot of maybe like newer guys who maybe don't know him, you know, it could make it, you know, it, it could be one way or the other where it makes the transition easier or there's like a significant, okay, like we needed that coach here to get these new guys up to speed. So it's like, there's there's the pros and cons, like is the timing right considering the possible turnover Uh and will that still have like a negative impact because now you're losing a reliable coach who um could get new guys ready and up to speed and the way you want them with this defense and um like you kind of mentioned like we don't see a whole lot of you know we always talk about next man up with players but we don't really talk about it with coaches so it's kind of like who would be the next man up and you'd probably have to go, you know, you question like, will you go outside hire? Will you promote someone within? Um, it's just kind of one of those things where special teams and the defensive backs are were kind of two very important pieces this year, even though we kind of saw some questionable play from the D-backs group. But I think, you know, there's a lot of talent there and they seem to work well with Jerry Gray. And it's just kind of you, you don't want to fall back into a rut now that you've had a good coach there, somebody who's been able to get guys going, we don't want to fall back into the rut where it's like we're constantly drafting guys who can do something for this defense. You want to be able to just, you know, have your guys and be able to run with them and then, you know, bring in new phases every once in a while, but not have to rely on, you know, drafting and signing and all these things trying to fix your defense when you have a good coach who's fixing it for you.
2: 100%. And I think you mentioned it earlier. It was like, Maybe this is a good exit strategy for Jerry Gray. He sees that where the Packers are with that defensive backfield, he realizes he got he kind of struck gold with some of the players he had um between like the four core guys they had there with Amos, Savage, um Stokes as in his rookie year, and Jayer. And then all of a sudden they find Razul in twenty twenty one. It's like, okay, this could be a, a great situation for me, but now like contractually it's it seems like a messy situation. And I just want to clarify the 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 Atlanta did reach out. Last week, Thursday. So literally, like, what was it the fourteenth? Uh, actually, it'd be last week Saturday when you're listening. So a week from when you're listening to this, um, for an interview with um, Jerry Gray, Arthur Smith, being the head coach there, does have some ties to him when they were both in uh, when they were both in Tennessee. So there is some connection there. I believe I'm assuming since then they've had that conversation, they've had that interview because um, they requested it last week, where he had a new request as of Friday to get a request with the bears to be their defensive passing coordinator db coach really not sure where he would land but just to be clarified like we've already reported this on pack day but he completed it now there's another one so it's some of the risk watch that we're having he gets one interview now will there more be coming and what will that look like because right now like and i would think overall janelle like these are two of the better coaches on the staff not only from what they're track record has been. But I just think how they're respected throughout the fan base, throughout right, the locker yeah. room. Like, it, that's that's the part to me that's like, the offensive side, it's like, got a couple young guys that maybe Steno's going to be solid, Luke Buckus, you know, you're not really sure what you're going to, Tom Clements is okay, but it's like, Joe Barry, no one really likes, you know, people aren't really too fond of him. I think Jerry Montgomery gets a little bit of love, D-line coach there's a couple other guys like on the staff i think get a little bit of recognition but ultimately like these are two like really fan favorites that i think people would be super super missed whether or not one of them leaves or whatever that would be if even if it's a lot la- i mean even if it's a promotion to be a, a head coach or a dc somewhere for you know respectively for jerry gray um it's a sticky situation we're in but um that's the news we have for you guys um packing a podcast today we are in the dog days if you will of january but Always some news to get to. I hope at some point, you know, coaching related, the Packers start reaching out to some coaches for some interviews, and we start hearing that they brought in this person or that person. Now, ultimately, that would mean, since I have no openings right now, that would be kind of strange because they are <laughs> letting people walk um, or fired. You think that would have came at this point throughout the year, but we'll see and continue to monitor the coaching staff because all this week, all it was was Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, you know, everything he said on the Pat McAfee show, which was, um, Taken out of context from basically anyone that tweeted about it or wrote an article about it. Tom Silverstein had a really, really funny article, I believe, yesterday about it. Um, just talking about how, you know, if you're really just taking some of these uh quotes at face value without really looking into them, you're kind of a goofball. So I really appreciated his take on that. And it kind of Yeah, just... I
3: mean, it kind of just like it shows where you stand with Aaron Rodgers, how you take things out of context like that. But I mean, luckily, there was some things that we got to talk today about that had absolutely nothing to do with players. I mean, we don't we we don't really get to talk a lot about the coaching staff, and it's kind of like it's kind of a hard thing to talk about because it's like coaches don't have stats, coaches don't have like accolades and stuff like. That. I mean, like if you're a head coach, you do for the most part, but I mean, like these guys who do like the behind the scenes work for the teams, it's kind of interesting to talk about them a little bit. And it's not like I know like everything about jerry gray and stuff like that mm-hmm. you just kind of know enough about the way that he respected and talked about and the way that things are run so and same with this i mean his one year here obviously was impactful so it's it's definitely different to dive into these guys and i mean if they move on i hope that like i wish them well and if they stay i will be so relieved but it'll be kind of kind of interesting now to see where things are going to start going because we're not only just looking at player turnover we're looking at coach turnover and you know what could possibly be happening because if they do leave then that leaves vacancies and now we have to start um looking at guys coming in and um yeah it'll be I know you said Matt LaFleur had said you know want to bring the same staff back and it's is that just Matt LaFleur being proper at the podium and kind of doing what he does in those senses but yeah it it's going to be an interesting off season for a lot of reason and I think the coaching staff can be a small part in that and it'll make make things interesting going into next season for sure.
2: Yeah, just another piece, uh, a layer, if you will, to unwrap right. each and every day on Packaday Podcast from the coaching <laughs> staff to the players. Um, to stay up to date on all the coaching transactions, interviews, requests, player transactions, anything going on that way, uh, continue to follow and listen to a Packaday Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, like, comment, subscribe, review. Let us know if we're doing great. Let us know if we suck. And please uh, <laughs> share with your friends. We are almost to, I think, 10,000 followers on Twitter, Janelle. It's a pretty significant number. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Check us out on TikTok as well and Instagram. And of course, uh, please support Andy on the YouTube side. He's absolutely crushing it over there on Packaday Podcast. When he can't fill in, anyone from the Packaday Podcast team tries to help him out because he's putting out a daily video episode on uh some deep dives he's currently right now into like the i believe it's like the salary cap you know kind of some superlatives he's getting some people pretty pissed off in the timeline i don't know if you noticed which has been really really funny to see andy get sassy and clap back <laughs> at people which has been uh quite entertaining but that's what this time of the year is for let's speculate let's figure out how we get under the salary cap what we can do what players we can get rid of um and we kind of get the whiteboards out and we get figuring out what we can make happen um, so, please support us over there, subscribe, and we greatly, greatly appreciate it. For Janelle, Janelle, let everyone know where they can get in contact with you and what you got going on during this offseason.
3: Yeah, you can find me and everything I do over on my Twitter at Big Mac underscore four. Um, per usual, we got open book on Wednesdays. We'll be taking a little bit of a break, but we'll be back after the Super Bowl. That's the anticipation. Just a little well deserved break from everything but obviously every week I'll be here on pack a day on Saturday edition no longer the injury report edition we'll have to kind of get a little bit more creative but I feel like I feel like we really thrive when it comes to being creative and finding those interesting little little shows to put together so we'll see what we can come up with in this in this off season um, but yeah most of my, most of my stuff you'll be able to just find over on Twitter I did just um, both Eli and I we're on the Matt Ramage show show for his 200th episode with Tom Crabtree. So if you missed that, be sure to go to Matt's page over there um, and watch that, um, you know, just did a little game and everything like that. So just kind of, you know, little things here and there, but for the most part, if I do something, it'll be on my Twitter. So it might be a little, little drier, might be a little bit more hockey filled than you might like now that Packers are Packers are done, but um, yeah, just a few short months and I'll be, crying about disappointment from the wild. So <laughs> just kind of the usual for me.
2: I saw that that you guys did. I'm going to have to go see that because I'm sure, you know, it was a super well-mannered show with you. No, not, not you at all, but with Eli, uh, Ramage, and Crabtree. I'm sure oh, it, was yeah. a very, it was very, very – yeah, it was
3: great. You know, I, I put a game together, uh, Ramage, little buzzed. You know, that's just kind of – you know, it's what he does, and it's awesome, and then Crabtree with his – uh, internet issues was it was awesome so yeah a great great hour spent with them always is so be sure to check it out for sure 100
2: <laughs> 100 uh for myself matt fray you can still find me on twitter at matt underscore fray underscore that's at m-a-t-t underscore f-r-a underscore final dump we had our final episode on monday night 8 p.m central standard time it was great to wrap up the season with brendan he's an absolute joy to work with and putting a pause to that until next year going to work on some things in the back end and always willing and able to hop on anyone's podcast riff about stuff on twitter packers related so always reach out to me in the dms or anywhere you i guess follow me on social media other than twitter um and say hey uh but for janelle Mackey, i'm at freilich like i said eli berkovitz could not join us hopefully he's having a couple uh cold ones for us right now as we continue to monitor the Packers offseason and the coaching carousel that could be in play um, once that first domino falls. You guys be well, take care, stay safe, enjoy January, enjoy the divisional round. We're going to have some great games tonight and um, on Sunday. And as always, go 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 Pack Go!